This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dr. Dawn on Careers. Welcome to Dr. Dawn on Careers, your personal career coach on SiriusXM Business Radio, channel 132. Every week we are live on Thursdays, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, with a full hour of career talk to answer all of your job search and career questions. 844-942-7866. So if it's Thursday, phone lines are open right now. We have Dion and Dana in-house today who are taking your calls and making the show run smoothly. And for those of you who don't know, I'm Dr. Don Graham. In my day job, I lead career coaching for the executive MBAs at the Wharton School. I'm also a licensed psychologist, former corporate recruiter, and author of the book Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and See Success. 844-942-7866. Your personal career coach is here every Thursday live taking your calls all hour long. So last week, our theme was It's Not Fair in the job search and hiring process where we talked about several hiring biases against the unemployed, pregnant applicants, job seekers with some bumps in their background, and more importantly, we shared how you can overcome these challenges by changing your strategy. This week, we're continuing with that theme, but internally discussing career management practices inside your company that are unfair and how you can get around them. It's not fair inside the organization edition. So maybe you're not getting paid what you should, you're asked to do more work without a promotion, or you're getting passed over for the plum assignments. Then today's show is for you. We are live right now, Thursday, 844-942-7866. Sirius XM 132. I'm Dr. Don, and we are going to go right into our news. So, while you may be tempted to put your job search on hold during the coronavirus outbreak, the Society for Human Resource Management says that might be a mistake. Recruiters say it's mostly business as usual, and the only change is that more interviews may be conducted via video rather than in person. So I'm here scratching my head and wondering if that's the case for you. So maybe you've experienced some some shift to video interviews for the near future, but I'm wondering, have you seen hiring freezes? Have interviews been canceled altogether? Have there been delays? Maybe you're up for a promotion and that's been put off. Let us know, 844-942-7866, how has the coronavirus impacted your job search or your career progression? We are here all hour if it's Thursday, noon Eastern. So in other news, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey, a record-breaking number of U.S. workforce have quit their jobs in 2019, nearly 4.5 million. While there's a number of reasons people quit, with compensation being up there at the top, there are other reasons that people are thinking about quitting. But let's talk about this compensation issue, because the fact is, There's some shady things going on in the workforce that have been going on for a long time. And even with the job market being in your favor, you still may be experiencing this. Brian Kropp, who is chief of research at Gardner's HR practice and a Ph.D. in public policy and applied economics, is here to talk to us today. And he says that the best way for an employee to get ahead is to actually quit their job and go to another company for higher compensation. Brian, welcome to the show. We're so excited that you can join us today to talk about this. And let's just dive right in. You mentioned that companies are willing to pay 15% more for new employees, but only willing to give current employees a 2 to 3% annual raise. So, so why is this still the best way for an employee to get a large bump? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, what we're seeing going on in the labor market is that there's, even with everything that's going on with the coronavirus right now, there's still an enormous demand for talent that organizations are trying to bring into their companies. Uh, And in order to compete in that labor market, when we've had unemployment rates that are 4%, 3-something percent, and for critical roles and critical skills, 1% in a lot of cases, 
the way that companies are trying to lure that talent in is really just paying above market. And so that's why you see these 15% on average compensation premiums that employers are willing to pay to meet those talent gaps that they've got. Now, in contrast, when they think about their own workforce, and even if you had a really good year that you got high meets on your performance review, you're probably only going to see a 2 to 3% raise. And part of that is companies think about the retention problem separate from the attraction problem when it comes to getting the right employees in their organization. And they're trying to bring them in through the front door, but by paying smaller raises, often they're losing them out the back door to another employer who's willing to pay that additional compensation increase to get them to move. Yeah. And I mean, if, if you're only getting two to three percent raises, regardless of your performance, then I mean, you could basically calculate your salary for the next 10 years. And it, it can be really mm-hmm. dismal. What we know is that companies who who are doing this practice and have employees who've been there 10 years, you know, they're they're severely underpaid. They're under market rate. And mm-hmm. so so it would seem to me that the cost of bringing in new people and training them up and the transfer of knowledge and, you know, all of that, that companies would start to look at these policies. But I like what you said about the fact that they look at attracting new talent and retention as two separate things, because that seems to be at the core of the problem, Brian. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, when companies are approaching this, uh, it would be cheaper for them over the long haul to give smaller not necessarily 15% raises to their employees, but if they were to have compensation increases that do a better job of matching how the labor market's moving, it would save them an enormous amount of money on uh, recruiting costs, on development costs. And what's also really important here is that uh, in today's companies, the relationships that you have with your coworkers become incredibly important about the work that you do and the contributions that you make. Just as work has become more collaborative, more team-based, and so on, my impact on my other employees becomes much more important about the organization actually achieving its goals. So from a management perspective, and if you're overseeing a team of people, uh, you're often better off giving a higher raise to take advantage of the contributions those employees have been making and to keep them rather than constantly trying to hire that next new person who uh, you have to pay a premium for in today's labor market. Yeah, because you're not only investing that time, um, you know, yourself, but I mean, there's a lot of people investing their time, which takes away from their productivity. Hey, if you're just tuning mm-hmm. in to Dr. Don on Career Series XM 132, we are here with Brian Kropp, who is Chief of Research for Gartner's HR Practice and a PhD in Public Policy and Applied Economics. And we're talking about the fact that people feel they have to quit and go to another company in order to get a significant bump in their salary. And this isn't just a perception. This is a reality that we're still seeing even in a job market that's in the job seekers favor. Um, Something else you talk about, Brian, is that in addition to fewer raises, organizations have reduced the number of managers, which means fewer promotions. So I'm, I'm guessing this has also impacted retention. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, historically, the way to get ahead in a company was to start as kind of an individual contributor doing a job particularly well. Uh, Then you get promoted to being a manager, then a senior manager, then a vice president, so on, whatever the structure looks like within the company. But when you look back uh, across history, uh, the kind of relatively short history and start with what happened in 2008, 2009 with the global financial crisis, one of the things that happened coming out of that was uh, companies pulled out a lot of layers of middle management to save costs, effectively. And uh, from the time of the global fi- financial crisis till now, they haven't put those layers of middle management back in. Mm-hmm. So the net effect of all of that is that the typical manager has gone from managing about four or five people to managing about six or seven people, which, one, makes the job of being a manager much harder. Uh, but, two, what it also means is that the opportunities to move into those roles has decreased by about 50%, just because there's fewer managerial roles at the typical company. So what this means for someone's individual career is that thinking they can just move up the managerial ranks is going to be harder. Instead, what they need to do is identify what are the critical skills that they've got, the unique things that they can do outside of managing people that really have an impact on the performance of the companies that they work for. Is it that you've got special relationships with the customers that are there. There's particular new ideas that you could bring. 
there's particular skill sets that you've got that make you really effective for the individual contributions that you're making. Um, because the people that are able to do that are able to move faster from a career perspective when it comes to the rewards that are associated with that. They're more likely to get a bigger bonus. They're more likely to get a raise. And uh, other companies are going to be more willing to pay that big premium to hire them away from the current employer into another employer. Mm-hmm. Hey, have you felt like quitting just so that you can get a bigger pay raise? 844-942-7866. Or maybe you've seen your team members engaging in this strategy because they've heard from from their manager or the HR department that, hey, we can only give you X percent raise for this new job or for your annual compensation. And you know that you're worth more in the market. So you feel like the only way to get that big bump is to go to a competitor, go to a new organization. If you've been struggling with this, or maybe you've seen people on your team, or maybe you're a manager who is struggling with losing team members because of this, give us a call, 844-942-7866. If it's Thursday, noon Eastern, Dr. Dawn on Careers is live all hour on Sirius XM 132-844-942-7866. Right now, we're talking to Brian Kropp, who is the Chief of Research for Gardner's HR practice and a PhD in public policy and applied economics. And we're talking about this issue and specifically the challenges it's creating in the market. So I'm, I'm curious, Brian, the generational span in the current workforce cuts across five generations right now. Do you see different reactions to this based on, on different generations? Yeah. You know, for people that are uh, well into their career and, and perhaps in the, the last couple of years of their career, they're less willing uh, to move, and um, it actually takes a much higher premium to get those folks to, to change jobs. And part of the reason why is that um, whenever you change jobs, you go to a new company, there's a new set of things you have to learn, a new set of um, uh, experiences that you have to have, perhaps the, the benefits that you had at your older job from a 401k match, whatever it might be, uh, are new, and you have to you know, vest and do all those sorts of things. Uh, so we're seeing that for people that are, have been in their career longer, they're, they're uh, less likely to move and in turn takes a higher premium to get them to move. But what you see for younger employees, and this is really important from a managerial perspective if you're not just thinking about your own career but managing a team or managing individuals, is that uh, younger employees are certainly willing to move, and uh, they're willing to move for about a 10%, 12% premium. Um, and they can get more if they are really looking for it, but it takes less to get them to move. And part of it is they're looking for any sort of opportunity to get a better uh, compensation number from that perspective. But what they're also really interested in is getting different types of experiences. So for younger employees, if you're trying to keep them uh, and you don't have the ability to pay them a lot more money, what you can do to try to retain them is offer them um uh, different types of experiences. Uh, And that, in the long run, is beneficial both for the company but also for that employee because while you might forego that 10% increase if you're a younger employee right now, but by getting those different experiences, learning different things, getting new challenges, working different jobs, staying where you are, down the road, that's going to better prepare you for a, a future leadership position. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's the trade-off you have to make if you're a younger employee. Is the, the comp increase now uh, worth it compared to the opportunity to get new development experiences where you are? Now, if you're not getting that compensation increase and not getting that development experience, uh, and if you want them, then really the best career advice is to try to find a new role in another organization. But if you're getting the development experience, then you just have to weigh that against uh, the potential topics increase you could get by moving companies. Yeah, eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. We are live if it's Thursday noon Eastern on Dr. Dawn on Careers, talking about the need to change companies to get a significant bump in your career. We're here with Brian Crop, who is the chief of research for Gartner's HR practice. And Brian, I want to talk about something you just mentioned because we're hearing a lot of companies with you know the the advances in technology and the new industries and all of this that. Reskilling and upskilling, and that that's going to be a great a great perk for retention. But if they're they're doing these things, it sounds like it will be a, a temporary buffer in terms of people leaving. But if they're not going to pay them for these new skills, I imagine it's not going to be a good long term fix. Yeah, you're right. The um, uh, once you learn those skills, uh, ironically, 
And once you teach those employees those skills, ironically, they, they in some ways become a bigger retention risk because they're more skilled, more capable. Uh, they've got better things, better contributions they can give to their employer. So they become more attractive for other people to poach away. And when they have opportunities to go to, to other companies, they've got the ability to ask for more money from that perspective. Uh, what you want to do as an employer, though, is really help that person understand how they're building skills, capabilities to have a long-term career, not just a short-term career. Uh, and the more you can talk about that as an employer, the better job you can do in terms of helping retain that employee. But the worst thing you can do is um, be afraid to train and develop those employees over fear that they might quit. Because then what you've got is an employee who doesn't have the right skills, right capabilities, and isn't contributing. And then you're actually overpaying for someone who's not delivering at all. So it's a tough line that you have to walk as a manager where how do you make sure you're developing employees but getting them committed and engaged to you um, and not uh, just developing them so they can take a job at another company somewhere else? Yeah, and I think that's where what we go back to what you said in the beginning, which is if you're really separating your kind of talent and uh, recruiting efforts from your retention efforts, there's going to be a big divide in this. And, Mm -hmm. you know, um, last question, Brian, as we were on this topic. Um, So pay increases haven't gone up in alignment with the economy. We're hearing that that a recession is coming. And obviously, with the coronavirus being what it is, that's going to drive this process of a potential recession and certainly the job market in, in negative ways. So what can we expect if this happens with regards to raises promotions? I mean, how is this all going to impact it based on the research that you do and the knowledge that you have in this space? Yeah. Um, So what's really important to realize is that uh, depending on what happens with coronavirus, it could have a very significant impact. It could move through kind of society relatively quickly within a month or two. If it's that latter scenario, things will likely rebound relatively quickly. But if it has a much longer lasting impact, then, you know, who knows? And the, the rate at which this is changing, kind of the, the answer to that question uh, changes every couple of hours as well. But what we do know with a lot of certainty is that the labor market, while we talk about it as one big thing, is actually many labor markets. And a good way to think about it is kind of the highly skilled labor market, the people that have got unique capabilities, unique contributions that they can deliver that are really valued today versus the labor market and the people in the, the other part of the labor market that might not have the skills and capabilities uh, that are most in demand today. If there is a recession, that first group that has the right skill sets, if it's, we talk a lot about kind of IT skills, that's absolutely true, but there's also uh, organizational skills, product knowledge, kind of unique things that are highly valued. If there's a recession, that part of the labor market will stay in relatively good shape. Uh, those skill sets are still demanded. Companies still need them. Companies are still going to be hiring them. They're still going to be giving bonuses to those folks. They're still going to be giving raises to those folks. If you're in that part of the labor market, uh, you're likely to be in good shape no matter what happens economically. If you're in the part of the labor market that is the less skilled, in, skills and demand part of the labor market, I should say a little bit more precisely, that any sort of negative economic event that occurs, recession, perhaps worse, uh, that is the part of the labor market that's going to really struggle and be impacted the most. So what you'll see is right now unemployment rates across almost all roles are really low. If there is a recession, you're going to see the unemployment rate in the uh, less in demand skills segment of the labor market increase. And so what you need to do in terms of managing your career right now more than ever is make sure that the skills that are in demand, that you're building those, you're learning about those, you're taking classes about those, you're getting on-the-job experiences to learn about those. Because if you've got them, then if there's a recession or not, you're going to be in a much better position in terms of managing your career. Yeah, get get ahead of it is um, is the way to do it. So get started today. Be proactive. Brian, you are a wealth of information. Where can people follow you if they want to stay up to date on everything that's happening in the market? Yeah, so if you're interested in more in what we're doing from a research perspective, we can obviously go to Gartner.com. Get a lot of information there. Also, follow me on Twitter at Brian Crop, 
B-R-I-A-N-K-R-O-P-P. Thank you so much, Brian. You you definitely um, have opened a lot of people's eyes, I think, about what's happening and what's going on and how they can overcome these challenges. So we really appreciate you joining us here on Dr. Dawn on Careers. And please do follow Brian so that you can keep up to date and stay ahead of your career management. Thank you so much. Hey, you're just tuning in. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers, Sirius XM 132. Phone lines are open right now at 844-942-7866. We were just talking about the fact that a lot of people feel the need to quit if they want to get a big pay raise. And that is that is not perception. That is reality based on a lot of research that's out there. So if you find yourself in that situation or maybe you found that you can't keep employees because the policies in your organization are requiring you to give such low raises, even if you're promoting people, give us a call at 844-942-7866. On today's show, we are talking all about how it's not fair, internal organization addition. And this is one of those big things that definitely comes up as something that's really unfair. We've also been talking about the fact in the news that SHRM, the Society for HR Management, has said that hiring is moving forward as usual and that recruiters have not seen too many changes due to the coronavirus, except perhaps with the exception of moving in-person interviews to video interviews or phone interviews. So is that your experience? If you're in a job search, have you had interviews cancel? Have you seen companies having hiring freezes? If you're a hiring manager, are you seeing things really slow down in that respect as your organization shifts to trying to figure out how to deal with the coronavirus? Let us know how has this coronavirus impacted your job search or maybe your promotion opportunities or maybe your clients. 844-942-7866. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers, Sirius XM 132. So we're talking all about unfairness inside the workplace. And Nobel Prize winning neuroscientist Eric Kandel estimated that 80 to 90 percent of the mind works unconsciously. That's pretty frightening. Very frightening, actually. And I think there's so many biases. We talked about last week on the show biases in the hiring and the job search process. And we're talking about now how these contribute to unfairness in the current workforce. But in part, it really is about how you define fairness. So how do you define fairness? Do you define it as equal parts of the pie? So everybody gets an even amount or sameness? Do you define it as as justice? So an eye for an eye, that's what's fair. Do you define fairness as a calculation? So you get what you deserve or you get what you need. And I think this is in part why there's so much perceived unfairness in the world because first and foremost, people define fairness in very different ways. So are you experiencing something that's unfair in your current work situation? So maybe you're not getting the raises that you deserve or maybe everybody gets the same raise regardless of the work you're doing or maybe your boss is blocking some opportunities for you because they just don't want to have to retrain somebody. Maybe you're getting overlooked for great assignments, promotions, or working with key clients because you're a great performer, but you haven't had the opportunity to be very visible. There's so many things that can contribute to this, but the good news is If you're listening today, we're going to talk about ways that you can take control of these and get around them. 844-942-7866. What are you experiencing in the workplace that has been unfair? Maybe favoritism is going on and you're losing out of opportunities for that reason. There's so many things that can happen. We're also talking about in the news coronavirus. How has it impacted your job search? or maybe your current internal opportunities. And for some companies, you may be busy as ever, but for other companies, you may be fearing that the lack of work may lead to furloughs and layoffs. Let us know, 844-942-7866. So one of the things I want to talk about is when your boss says no to a raise. Um, So here's the deal. If you're among the 43%, who've mustered the courage to ask for a raise, there's a 75% chance 
that you'll receive some type of bump according to a pay scale survey of over 30,000 employees. So if you listen to that quote, what you're hearing is, is that fewer than half of the people are willing to ask for a raise. But if you do, you've got a 75% chance of getting something. Now, maybe not exactly what you asked for, but you may get extra vacation, you may get a bonus, you may get, um, you know, another perk. So those are pretty decent odds, really decent odds. Um, And if you're not asking for a raise or promotion, then maybe that's something you want to think about. Now, one of the things I'm going to tell you is that timing is everything. So this may not be the time if your industry is being hit hard by the impact of the coronavirus, but that doesn't mean you can't plan for when things rebound. If your industry is one where you're actually ramping up and getting busier, then this might be a great time to ask for a raise. So Think about this and think about 2020 as a whole. Strike while the iron's hot, which means if you just landed a big new client, if you just finished a monster project, or maybe you stepped in to save the day after your colleague quit unexpectedly, look for opportunities. This is what I mean by timing, is that if there's something going on that creates any sense of urgency where you are for your type of talent or your type of skills, this could be a really great time to ask for a raise. Also, you want to know your alternatives. So if your bosses know, for example, maybe they don't have the money in the budget to give you extra cash in your pocket, but maybe there are other things that can be helpful. Maybe tuition reimbursement, maybe a work from home day, maybe you can um, get a one-time bonus, or maybe there's something else that would be valuable to you. So so think about that because there's a lot of ways to put money in your pocket and, and dollars aren't the only thing. Um, if you get a no for asking for a raise, ask your boss to be your ally. Your manager's job is unfortunately to tow the company line. So you're going to get a, we can't, or it's out of cycle, or we're, we're going to have to wait till next year, or you're at the top of your range. You're going to get a lot of these company lines. But if you've done exceptional work, or you've taken on additional work from somebody else, or if you have just landed a big client, or there's some other uh, relevant reason for this money, ask your boss, what would they do in your situation? So ask them to be your ally. So it's really easy for them to say no when they distance themselves from it. But it's a little bit harder when you say, look, um, you know, if you were in my situation where you just worked 80 hours a week for the last six months on this client and nailed it, what would you do in my position? Because when you put it that way, now they have to put themselves in that in that role. And it's a little bit harder to distance and just say no or to the company line. So think about using that strategy. Also work within the guidelines. If you know that raises are given once a year, then you want to plant the seeds now. So if you know it's going to happen at the end of the year, start planting seeds, start identifying what those things are that you need to do to get the raise. Make sure that your manager knows that this is something that you're working towards so that you can partner over time. Sometimes when you're just blunt and you put it out there, there's nothing they can do in the moment. But when you give them time to plan, then that can be really helpful. So you know, Payscale said that 50, if you're in the 57% who haven't yet asked for a raise, then what are you waiting for? Now, again, I'm going to say in the age of, or the moment, I'll say, hopefully it's a moment of coronavirus, if your company is struggling, if they're laying off, if there's furloughs going on, this is absolutely 100% not the right time to focus on this because obviously your company's in crisis management. It's trying to deal with what's in front of it. If you're in a company who, um, you know, who's in this, we're hoping that it's a very, very short period of time. So it's still something that you want to start thinking about, because hopefully when all of this moves past, there will be opportunities, as Brian Kropp said earlier, where we're going to bounce back. And a lot of people, what I've learned from the survey, are not asking for what they deserve. So if you fall into that camp, think about it. Think about what you can be doing to prepare for when your company operations are back to normal. 844-942-7866. You are listening to Dr. Don on Careers. And it is time for a pre-break quiz. Quiz? There's a quiz? 
With more than 200 million copies in circulation every year, this surpasses the Bible, the Quran, and the Harry Potter series to earn the title of the world's most printed book. What is the world's most printed book? If you think you know, give us a call 844-942-7866. We want to hear your guests on Dr. Dawn on Career Series XM 132. We will be right back. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers on Business Radio. Welcome back to Dr. Dawn on Career, Series XM 132. If it's Thursday noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, we're taking your calls right now, live, 844-942-7866. Your personal career coaches in all hour. Hey, we're talking about unfair practices in the workplace. Have you been passed over for a promotion or maybe you got the promotion but you didn't get the raise? Um, or we're also talking about the topic of... The week, which is coronavirus, this has impacted hiring, um, although you may have just moved from an interview to a phone interview. Other companies are canceling interviews, having hiring freezes. How has it impacted your job search? We want to hear 844-942-7866. And we're going to go right to the phones with James in Texas. Welcome to Dr. Don on Courage. James, what's on your mind today? Uh, well, I'm just um, having a lot of trouble getting an entry-level job and a new industry, and I need some new ideas. Well, you called the right place. All right, James, tell us what you're looking for. I'm just trying to get an entry-level web development job, and it's way more difficult than I ever thought it would be. So tell us what you've tried so far. Um, I mean, I've read, you know, advice sites about crafting a resume and a cover letter, and I have a portfolio and everything that, I think it has been suggested for that specific industry. And um, last year I put in like 75 applications and I only had like uh, five phone calls out of it and nothing moved on to the next round. And what is your experience in web development, James? None. Okay. So here's where you might want to start. So it's great that you have a resume and cover letter. What I'm hearing is that maybe what they're not seeing is the, the experience they're looking for. So are you do are you currently working now? No. Okay. So one of the things you might want to do is to start doing some website development for um, kind of as a, as a consultant or somebody who is developing it for friends, families, or small businesses, uh, nonprofits, maybe educational institutions. Because I think one of the things that might be the challenge is that when you apply to a company, they're not seeing the skill set that, that they're looking for in order to do this. And I know entry-level jobs, you're thinking, well, you know, the whole point of an entry-level job is that I don't have experience. That said, they definitely are going to want to see some track record of you getting out there and doing some things. So it, it could be taking classes. Have you taken any classes or gotten any certifications yeah. related to this? I've taken dozens of classes. Fantastic. Great. So hopefully that is on your LinkedIn profile and your uh, resume as well. And so now you need to start applying it. I think classes are great, but companies really want applied experience. And so that's the part of the equation you're missing. But the, the good news is that there's a lot of people who want websites or want to update their websites or need somebody to help maintain their websites. And so I think your next step is getting in touch with these people and gaining a track record of doing this work. And it doesn't matter if it's volunteer work or, you know, if you, you charge a friend a couple hundred dollars to build out a basic website. It doesn't matter where the experience comes from. What matters is that you have some testimonials and some references that show that, hey, James did my website. It was fantastic. He was easy to work with. He understood the needs. He, he got to know the customers that I was trying to attract. And building all of, um, you know, these different skills that you can put on your resume. Because companies aren't seeing what they want to see. That said, you can take control 
and build up those skills. So one of the things that I think you want to do, do you have your own website, James, that, that kind of highlights your services? Perfect. So you have your own website. Hopefully it is a, a good model of all the things that you excel at. So if there's certain things you, you excel at, like WordPress blogs or embedding videos or other types of, of special website features, maybe um, you have all of those on your website so that that's a good feature. And then you can share that with people who are maybe want to create their own website. A lot of people are doing it, even if they don't have a business, they're creating a personal website to showcase themselves in addition to their resume and LinkedIn. There are other people who maybe have a portfolio that they want to move online. So so photographers, um, you know, people who are getting married, they want a website for their wedding. There's so many different places where people are going to want to build the website, but either don't have the capabilities or don't have the time or interest in learning how to do it. Because I know there's a lot of free services out there that you can kind of, you know, install your own website and it kind of does it for you. So you have to make sure that what your value you add is above and beyond that. So something that that isn't something you could just kind of buy off the shelf and slap your own website together. So what is your unique value that you bring, James? Well, I mean, at this point, I've, I've studied and, and practiced so much. Um, I think I've a lot of the a lot of bases covered, frankly. And um, you know, it's hard to do everything because the world is a lot bigger than I thought it was when I got into it. But you know, I've, I've done a lot of stuff and. Um, you know, for some of these uh, job ads, I feel like I do it in my sleep, basically, because it's just been so long. Um, I feel pretty solid about what people are looking for for entry-level web development. So... If that's the case, then I think what you need to do is get some testimonials. You need to find some people who are willing to either introduce you to an organization or to um, you know help promote your work if you want to kind of start building out your own business because I think that's the piece that's missing. You you feel like you have the skill set, you've taken the classes, but you haven't had a chance to apply it in the real world. And the fact is companies just value applied experience so much more. Again, think about nonprofits in your area that could benefit fit from you either improving their website or building out a website for them. And you might have to volunteer to do this, but if you do and companies can are willing to give you a reference or they're willing to give you a referral to other maybe paid gigs, then you're going to start building your portfolio of websites and you're going to have something concrete to show. The other thing I will tell you, James, is that unfortunately applying online yields horrible results versus networking. So the other thing I would recommend is that you start building up a network, start talking to your friends, family, classmates, um, other people who are in this business and start building those relationships so that when a position opens up, they can refer you or they can let you know or they can shepherd your resume to the hiring manager because especially for entry level jobs, companies get so many resumes, hundreds you know, or more and the challenge is standing out in that crowded mess of resumes is really hard to do if you don't have an internal referral. So what I would say is start making a list of all the people you know. And they don't have to be in, in tech or web services or anything. They can be anybody you know and start talking to them about what you're looking for, start letting them know what companies you're looking to be in, start asking them if they know anybody who needs a website, um, you know, who's getting married, or maybe somebody who's a new photographer and wants to showcase their work, or maybe somebody who is just starting a business or is an independent consultant that you can help build the, res I'm sorry, the website for, and start building your brand around this. Because what I want for you is for people to say, oh, James is synonymous with building great websites and, and or creative websites or websites that get a lot of hits or whatever your unique selling point is because I think that's the piece that's missing. Unfortunately, when you sit behind a computer and apply to 75 jobs, you feel good for like, it's like it's, you know, kind of like a, a shot of morphine. You feel really good for a little while because you feel like you were very productive and that your resume is out there and you're a good fit for those jobs. But the challenge is applicant tracking systems, um, 
kind of wipe out most of those resumes before they even see a human. And unfortunately, if it's an entry-level job, they're getting hundreds of resumes. So you need to differentiate yourself in a way that includes getting a referral, finding somebody who's willing to recommend you, finding someone inside the organization who is willing to say, hey, I've met James, he's the guy for you, we should bring him on. So that's what I think is going to to be your saving grace, James, because it sounds like you're doing everything you need to do. I can hear that this has been really frustrating, and I know, I know how frustrating it is when you know you can do the work and nobody's willing to give you a chance. But here's the thing. Forget that. Stop waiting for them to give you a chance. Start doing the work and building your portfolio with the people you know. And that way you take you take charge of it and you start building your own portfolio. And before you know it, those people are going to be referring you. James, we wish you all the best. Thank you so much for giving us a call. I look forward to um, to seeing link in with me. Definitely, if you're going to link in with me, send me a personal message because... That way I know where you heard me. 844-942-7866. Hey, you struggling with something? Give us a call. Dr. Dawn on Careers is your personal career coach all hour long on Sirius XM 132. Hey, how is the coronavirus impacting your job search or your internal workings? Maybe you're getting um, your promotions getting pushed off. Let us know. 844-942-7866. Six six and uh, Dion, maybe we should answer a pre-break quiz. Maybe. All right. With over <laughs> two hundred million copies in circulation every year, this surpasses the Bible, the Quran, and Harry Potter series to earn the world's most printed book. Okay. So, yes. book, right? Mm-hmm. Oh boy! Oh boy! Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Don't get so like, hung up on that word. Are we? <laughs> I mean, okay. See, that, that's the problem. I know. It's it's okay. It's about 350 pages, if you consider that a book. Oh, boy. I don't think the book I was thinking is going to count then. All right. I was thinking a dictionary. Ooh. Webster's. Specifically Webster's. Me too, Dion. <laughs> okay. You feel, think they're like printing. You think they're printing 200 million dictionaries Well, here. not anymore, but I mean. No, no. This is current. Oh. Um. Oof, I was I was good. I was stuck on dictionary. Yeah. It's tough. Dana? I mean, I was going to say dictionary too. Encyclopedia, oh. dictionary. Encyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> Britannica is still printing. <laughs> I know. Door to door. Door to door to door. Um, no. With more than 200 million copies in circulation. This is the book part. The IKEA catalog. Are you serious? Hey, it's 350 <laughs> pages. 350 pages, in my opinion, is a book. No? It's not a book. It's a book. Have you read it? It's, it no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a book with a lot of pictures. <laughs> that is not a book. That's a that's a catalog. Yeah, it's a catalog, but... It's almost a magazine. All right, well... I mean, in, initially, like, before you said book, I was thinking magazine... You were going to say TV Guide? No. What were you going to say? I can't say. Oh, no. Dion, this is a PG-13 show. That's why I said I can't say. I would never. PG-13, don't forget that. But yes, the annual catalogs are around 350 pages and vary in each of the 72 regions it's distributed in. IKEA actually tailors this to their audience in every country. So, for example, catalogs in Saudi Arabia only feature men or no one at all. Um, Here's some other interesting things about the IKEA. You've got facts about the IKEA well, cause you, catalog. Well, because you always ask me additional things. Well, this is true. Well, this is really about IKEA. Did you know they sell entire flat pack houses? I feel like I've heard that somewhere. Boclock House was launched in Sweden in 1996, and in Beijing, customers are fond of taking naps in the comfortable bedding displays, and IKEA is okay with this, but they're not okay if you're playing hide and seek. So, there you go. I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> You played hide-and-seek in an Ikea, or you've slept in the bed? No, I, <laughs> I played hide-and-seek, because you can barely get through it as it is. I know. It's designed that like, way. Once, once I go off the arrows, I'm done. I know. They designed it because they want you to pick up things as you go, because they they're, they know you're afraid you're never going to find your way back. And 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 then you get the... Uh, they have with the um, meatballs. The what? I think oh, yeah, like meatballs. Some, yeah, yeah like meatballs. they sell billions the of meatballs. Ones. Yep. 
For and sure. free babysitting. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, you can drop your kids ah. and you can go shop. Yeah, and, and like a 50 cent <laughs> ice cream cone too. Stuff you should know. I feel like that's small. Is it? Is it small? Um, it's not like it's not big, but it's you know, fifty cent ice cream if you're gonna walk through the IKEA. It's pretty good. So you can walk through the IKEA with your ice cream cone. Yeah. What if you drop it on like bedding? Well, I don't, Dion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drop it on the bedding. <laughs> So there, that's done. This is weird. Yeah, weird. <laughs> 844-942-7866. Hey, if you're struggling with something, you can give us a call all hour long. And um, yeah, I just want to I just want to tag on to, we were talking to James just a few minutes ago. And I think if you're really struggling, one of the things you want to do is consider hiring a career coach. And I know that can be a little bit difficult when you're feeling like you're not bringing in enough um, money as it goes if you're, you've been laid off or something like that. But I think you can find career coaches in a variety of price ranges and one or two sessions might just put you on the right track. I'm not saying get your resume. I'm saying talk about what your skills are, what value you add to an employer. And yes, that will f- trickle through in your resume and LinkedIn. But I think you have to have a strategy. And that strategy can't be primarily online. And a career coach can help you do that. 844-942-7866. Harriet in Georgia, welcome to the show. It's on your mind today. Hi, my name is Harriet. Um, can you hear me? I can hear you, Harriet. Yes. Okay. I'm age 64, and I just lost my job back in June due to circumstances beyond my control. Um, I'm trying to figure out, you know, the best route to go now. Uh, I was an executive assistant and have been throughout my career, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm finding it hard to even get an interview now, um, just getting in the door. Um, most of my friends have recommended that I just go ahead and, and draw SSI, but um, I wanted to do something else. Is this a stage where I should be thinking about changing careers? Yep. So um, good question, Harriet. And first off, I'm sorry that you lost your job. And there's a couple of things that you need to think about as you're in the job search and debating whether you should just go on Social Security or if you want another job. I mean, I think obviously assessing your financial situation is going to be really important and you know are you able to to live on those finances or do you need something that is going to pay you more the other thing i think you need to think about is you know your your general um, motivation for working are you interested in in getting a job and going into the office every day and and you know earning money for the work you're doing or are you okay if you, you do have that motivation doing something that's volunteer so I think you need to start thinking about um, what you want. And my sense is that the financial part, I would I would definitely recommend you talking to a financial planner to see how that would all work out and do the calculations. But it sounds like up until this point, you've been interested in potentially going back into the workforce. So, so is that your preference out of the two? Out of the two, it is, mainly because of finance. Yeah, because join join uh, SSI would only give me maybe a thousand four hundred a month. Mm-hmm. Yep. So and, you know, with car payment and house payment and everything, that's it. It's gone. Yeah. So then, what I would recommend is you said you've been looking for a job since since last June, and you talk about being an administrative assistant. So tell me how you've been looking for jobs. Uh. Um, mostly online and through networking with friends. Okay. So I think the online piece um, hopefully is a very, very small part of your strategy and the networking piece is a bigger part. And what I would say is that that you know networking hands down has always been the way that people are finding jobs especially when it's been difficult if you've been out of work it's chances are companies are um, biased against you because you've been unemployed for a period of time and so they're just kind of looking at your resume and saying no and that's definitely unfair but that 
that's what happens when you simply apply online. You have no idea why you're getting passed over. So what I would do is I would make a list of companies in your general geography that you're interested in. I would make sure you've defined your brand brand value proposition. So what do you bring to a company? And then I would start systematically connecting with your network. That could be friends, family, that could, you know, and asking them for additional introductions to what I call your second level contacts so that you could start getting introduced to those opportunities. Because I imagine you have a a very good skill set around organization, planning, and Let's face it, and right now I think a lot of companies are going to need that extra help. So if I were to ask you, Harriet, I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but like, you know, what is your brand? Um, what what is it that you do? What unique value do you add? What would you say? Well, for uh, almost 15, 20 years, my area was I was an administrative assistant in the area of law through the justice system. So uh, my background is uh, pretty heavy in the field of law. Um, uh, but I have done quite a bit of organizing and and grant writing also. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah. So those are skills um, that I imagine if you knock on doors, people are going to be interested in. And I think so. your, your step one is finding those companies that are going to be interested in that type of work in your general geography. It might be nonprofits. It might be government. It might be, um, you know, it, it could be law firms. So you, you definitely have a list of different places that would value your expertise. And then I would make sure that your friends and family know those companies you're targeting because more more often than not, your friends and family have contacts in these places that we weren't aware of. Um, I did a whole TEDx talk on that, the fact that you can have a conversation with your neighbor or your your um, your child or something like that, and they find out, wow, I didn't, I didn't know you had that contact. As a matter of fact, um, there was a study done, Harriet, which was really interesting, that one in three parents don't have a clue what their children actually do for a living, and it's probably this, you know, goes both ways. So I think when you start telling people the companies you're interested in and the value you bring and the specific skill sets you have around, you know, a deep legal um administrative background, grant writing, and deep organization and planning and what value you can bring, you're going to see more and more people say, hey, have you talked to this one? Or have you seen this person? Or have you seen that company? I think they're hiring. And those are the places that are going to open doors for you versus being online. So Harriet, we wish you all the best in your search. Use that network. My sense is you have a great network and they'd be willing to help you as soon as they know specifically what you're looking for. And here's the challenge I put out there to everybody. People want to help you. Often, if they don't, it's because they don't know how to. If you give them something very specific, chances are that they will jump on that. Hey, you've been listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers. We're here every Thursday, noon Eastern. The hour, as always, flies by. But your personal coach... We'll be back next Thursday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific at 844-942-7866. In the meantime, you can follow updates on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham. Definitely check out my TEDx, which talks more about what I was talking to Harriet about. You can find that on my website, drdononcareers.com. And in the meantime, be well. We will see you next time. Insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.